You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Tuesday edition across the Outkick network. Glad you're with us as we broadcast live in Nashville, Tennessee. 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. We've got John McClain coming up. He will join us to talk NFL headlines and uh, the passing of Mike Leach. That's the, the headline of the day. We'll be doing that throughout the show. That's in 20 minutes from right now. Uh, Chad, also looking forward to talking with Buddy Levy, as you mentioned, and I agree. The last head of the uh, English department guest we'll have uh, on this show, first and last, but uh, for good reason. He was the co-author with Mike Leach on their book, Geronimo, um, Leadership from an American Warrior, that they wrote while he uh, Leach was the head coach at Washington State. And that is where Levy remains as the head of the English department at Washington State University. I've got so many geography questions. I'll probably just Google this at some point uh, for Levy that I'm not going to get into because we need to talk about Mike Leach. But he is an English professor at Washington State in Pullman, Washington. But his Twitter account says that he lives in Moscow, Idaho. Now, I know that there is a border battle between Washington State and Idaho and a bit of a rivalry where, like, Idaho kids will go to Pullman to go out or vice versa. Pullman, Washington State students will go on their turf and go to bars in Moscow, Idaho. But I'm I'm curious about the commute across state lines from Moscow, Idaho to Pullman, Washington. So, again, I'll look this up on my own, but... It's things like this that really get me thinking. We have a uh, couple of hours here where we we welcome your reaction. You can join us on social media at Outkick360. Hit us with your best memory of Mike Leach. Uh, but just Maybe it's an interview. Maybe it's from SEC Media Days. Whatever it is, uh, give it there on social. But you can also join us in the YouTube chat. We hope you'll subscribe. Uh, hit the like button. Give us a thumbs up and join us in there. Uh, and you can join us with the the memories that you have of coach uh we've got uh, some other things coming up uh with with leach as well as we go down with some of his better interviews and topics and rants and i, I call them wormholes uh because that's what i do if i go down uh, youtube with topics i'm trying to figure out different uh, perspectives on things leach pops up a lot uh if you google just random topics because chances are he's gone down a a path where the interview is off the rails I've often wondered, Chad, what do you think the the football reporters slash sideline reporter, host, whatever it might be, are they're thinking? Because you know, we've been in this, you've got a producer in your headset and your ear telling you they want certain stuff about the game, and there is no way that he's giving you that. Pre-game, post-game, halftime, he's taking it off the road. I mean, first off, any producer in my ear that would yell that to me or TV truck, I would tell them uh, off air they are idiots if they want something other than what Mike Leach is going to give them. Now, because how- he gives everyone way better 
than 99% of coaches would have ever given you no doubt. at halftime or, or postgame. But, We're going to have audio later and video of him with Alyssa Lang of SEC <laughs> Network. He's giving wedding advice. And she's marrying, by the way, Trevor Sikama, who we've had on the show two or three times, who covers the NFL draft. And he's, he's calling out Trevor on camera on this. If there's someone telling me in my ear, hey, get back to that play in the second half. Ask about Minshew's where play. The secondary, uh, you know, that penalty on. Uh, give me a break. Dialing up that play. This is gold with Mike Leach. He also had a memorable, uh, I forget who it was with, but he's walking off the field at, at halftime of the Alabama game. And he's, I think it's Molly McGrath. Okay. And Molly McGrath says, you know, what are your thoughts on the, the officiating in that first half? And Leach responded with a, uh, well, you saw it, right? You guys back there also saw it. I'm, I'm taking so. Uh, how about you give your thoughts, and then later on I'll go back and watch and tell you whether or not I agree. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the officiating in that half. But you know, Which producer is, wanted classic. that. Yeah, it was great. On the officials. Uh, you mentioned the, 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 the wedding. Yeah. Here is. Uh, oh, we have it now. Here's Elisa Lang discussing the, the wedding with Mike Leach. I know you have strong thoughts on weddings. Um, I'm in the middle of planning one right now. Do you have you any are? advice for me? Who yeah. are you marrying? His name is Trevor. Okay, yeah, well, I'll have to you set up a meeting and I'll talk to him. What does Trevor do for a living? He works in sports as well, covers football. Really? Well, I don't know. We'll keep a close eye on it, but whatever you and Trevor decide, I would kind of keep it on the down low, which you failed to do that. Trevor was probably planning to, but you didn't. So go ahead and uh, don't don't say anything else about it, but as soon as the season's over, or even an off week, go elope. Trust me on that. Go elope. Go elope. That is uh, sage advice from the father of daughters right there, which Mike Leach is on going and eloping because that is saving the father of the bride a lot of money if that happens. So that he's looking at it from that perspective. I love how surprised he sounded when he heard that he was – he's in sports also. Oh, oh, oh really? Oh, covers football, huh? Never heard of <laughs> Mike Leach almost had this thing. Oh, really? Covers football. Well, I'll have to do some research on that. Uh, college basketball update, Chad. The Tennessee Volunteers up to number six in the AP Top 25. Purdue moves into the top spot. Uh, because we saw Alabama win this weekend and uh, take down the the number one Houston Cougars. And so Alabama is ahead of Houston at number four in the country. So your top five right now, Purdue, Virginia, UConn, Alabama, and Houston. Texas at seven, right behind Tennessee. They're playing coming up, right, or soon, or something in the uh, – Conference, uh, Alabama, or no, 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 Texas and Tennessee. Yes, they'll play in the uh, SEC Big Twelve Challenge the last week of January. That's last be, weekend. That's great for uh, for seeding in the tournament. Well, here's my time. I've watched quite a bit of basketball over the last couple of weeks. Alabama's win over Houston was outstanding. They're down 17 in that game on the road and come back and win. Brandon Miller may be the best freshman in America. Uh, he played about seven miles from our studio right now at Cane Ridge High School in high school in Nashville. Terrific team for, for Nate Oates at Alabama. Very impressed with them. So well coached. Arkansas too. has been impressive also. Purdue's, yes. uh, they got taken to overtime in Lincoln, Nebraska against Nebraska. Still so weird when all these conference games are being played right now. They're starting earlier and earlier. Yeah. Big Ten and ACC especially have already played games. Some of these teams have played two conference games already which is crazy to me when you look at that, the way they spread it out over the course of the year. Um, watching these teams, though, and I, 
went back and watched the highlights of Tennessee's win over Maryland. We had a, a post-game show hunting on Sunday. I couldn't watch it live. That was a ragged game. A lot of these games can be quite difficult to watch at times. Dana O'Neill with The Athletic has a great column up asking coaches why the game looks so off early in the season. And the main reason is a lack of practices. Coach says not about practice leading up to the season. Once you get in the season and you're going to some tropical location, yeah. you're thrown out of whack. Then you come back yeah. and you play a neutral court game in Brooklyn, New York, the way Tennessee and Maryland did. So you have a little time for a shoot around. Then you go back and you got final exams. Then you come back and you got a game against some directional school after that. There's just not much practice time. And you see teams get more fluid in their play after the new year when they're on a two-game-a-week rigid schedule. You get in a conference play, and you're playing either Tuesday or Wednesday for most teams. Then you play on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, you And then once you get into that rhythm, you know the practices, you know what the scouting report looks like for the next game. You get into that in preparation for the teams, and offenses start to look a little bit better. Um, I, I don't think the sport is bad by any means. I, I have, I've enjoyed huh. watching the games I've watched, but there is a little something that's disconnected at times with some of these games. What a year for TCU. That's the other thing that jumps out. I mean, if, if you start looking at some of these teams, TCU with the, the college football playoff berth, and they've got a top 25, 21st right now in the country. Uh, it's crazy to me how some of these programs go in waves, right? Even in, even in pro sports, if you think of uh, Tampa's run with what they did with the Bucks and the Lightning yeah. and the Rays got good. Uh, Boston with the Red Sox and the Patriots, uh, and uh, even, uh, you know, I think they in hockey they won one through that stretch, I believe. Well, when it rains, it pours can go both ways. Oh, no I, doubt. I feel like when there's no success, doubt. you know, Tennessee is another example. They're ranked sixth exactly in both men's basketball and football right now in this week's poll. UConn. UConn yeah. gave Alabama their only loss. That's why they're three and Alabama's four. UConn, shockingly, with Jim Mora Jr., gets to a bowl game this year in year one. And that was the worst program in all of college football when he took that job. So they had a good football season as well. Alabama, I mean, they're still Alabama, even though they're not in the college football yeah. playoff. They're in a New Year's Six game in their top five nationally. And you know Kentucky's going to be up there. They'll move. They'll move up. And also, I mean, for Kansas... They're bowl eligible, and once again, they're a top what, 10 college basketball program, other, and they're the defending national champion. One other observation. The emphasis that we saw the SEC put on hoops, you see it, and we've seen it, but the more teams in the, in the tournament, yes, but look at the top 25. You know, you, it's more than just the tournament with SEC improvement at this point in the season. When you see some of the teams there that – they weren't even being under consideration yeah. for a long time. Maybe they, they're trying to get into the tournament, and we're a long ways away from there. But the emphasis from Greg Sankey, where he brought those basketball coaches in and the ADs and said, hey, we, uh, it's, it's we are going to now. improve. And now they are at the, at the top of the sport in terms of uh, competition. And, and same for – I mean, you're mentioning them in the same breath as the other top conferences for basketball. Well, and the new coaches, for the most part, are doing very well in the SEC. Chris Jans at Mississippi State – has them at number 17, his first year there. they got a pretty talented roster, but they're playing great defense the same way his New Mexico State teams always played great defense. It's translating immediately with that. Um, Dennis Gates at Missouri had them undefeated. They hosted Kansas this weekend. 
I watched quite a bit of that game. They were not ready for prime time. Kansas blew them out in the first half yeah. and never looked back in that game. So that's more of a product of a weak schedule to get off to the 8 no start the way Missouri did more than anything else. But yeah, the SEC in basketball has become a powerhouse. The Blue Bloods on this list, though, and one that's not there. North Carolina has went from number one to out of the top 25. Duke, Kentucky, Kansas. The difference with those three, Kansas has more established guys that contributed to a national championship winning team that are back this year. That's not the case for all their guys, and they have some star-studded freshmen also. With Duke and Kentucky, the way they bring in these one-and-done players, I have a hard time even watching one of their games until we get to February, at a minimum, where I get to know these guys a little bit more. Yeah. Because they become stars over the course of their conference season. And then by the time the conference tournament rolls around, I'm psyched to watch Duke and Kentucky play because I feel like I know them more because they're getting a majority of the the publicity throughout the year. But it's hard to know these teams early. And I think the same could go for their head coaches. John Calipari gives an annual address urging Kentucky fans to be patient every single year. It's like clockwork at the start of the year. Be patient with these guys. We'll get better as the year goes on, but it might get rough early. And the same can now go for Duke. Chad, we do get a great matchup this weekend. Gonzaga will be facing off against Alabama. So we get four, we get four against 15 in there, this. There's a, there's a couple of really good ones too. A top 10 matchup, Tennessee at Arizona, six versus nine in Tucson, Saturday night. It's a Hutton special, 9.30 Central Time tip-off. I prefer 10.30 later. p.m. Eastern. There we go. Put me on Eastern Time. Yeah, Hutton will be in Eastern Time, then he'll be able to catch that at 10.30, which is, which is more his time. <laughs> but that's another great top 10 matchup. Look, I, I'm all for, in most of the top programs now, they'll play anyone, anywhere. And they'll, they'll make their schedule as tough as possible. I'm all for those matchups. But when you have all of these early season tournaments mixed with neutral site games and a classic somewhere, I do think that can lead to some ragged play early in the season when you have these teams going back and forth playing these games. Texas won without Chris Beard. A bit of a surprise with the distraction there. I was. I don't know how good Rice is. So, I mean, I see Texas against Rice, and I think, well, you know, hopefully someone could come off the bench and coach them to a win at home against Rice, but it took overtime to get it done. But normally, just in those situations, it's just such a distraction and a drain. You know, it's, you're, you're trying to get your team focused and just go – the quick turnaround with the, the news of his arrest due to domestic violence. Um, you want to make it less of a distraction? Go ahead and fire him. I, I, I don't know how you don't. Based on the yeah, account – The details, yeah. It's ugly. I mean, it's, 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 it's attempted murder almost with what the, the, the way the claim is. Now, if there is some somehow, some way that it's completely fabricated, the way the attorney is claiming – and I don't know someone comes back up. and says, well, it didn't happen quite that way, and it gets reduced to a misdemeanor or something. Maybe he serves a 10-, 15-game suspension. But I just don't know any way that this is made up. And if this is even remotely true, what's being accused, I mean, you got to fire him with cause. And I'm not someone who's immediately fire everyone the moment something or, bad happens. But with a felony assault charge – a family violence charge, strangulation involved. I mean, it, it's to me, it's pretty cut and dry. You want to eliminate the most distractions you can? Fire Chris Beard right now. Yeah. And, and move on with your season and your program. Is a protective order active until at least February 10th, 2023. 
um, which which means he can't come in contact or within like 200 yards of her, uh, that would mean uh, he's not coaching again this season at least before the legal process plays itself out because he's been placed on administration leave. And, and the woman said, Beard choked me, threw me off the bed, bit me, bruises all over my leg, throwing me around and going nuts. She also said Beard impeded her breathing for probably like five seconds. That was the quote by putting his arm around her neck. I, again, ugly. And, you know, this is, this is a distraction that's not going away. But also, Chad, to your point, you end it and you move on from the university stance. And then you wait on the legal process to play itself out. And then you find out if you fired him with cause or without. Right? And then you sort, sort out the money issues there. Again, I, I just don't see any way out of this. If you're Texas, I mean, I... I no, his, I, unless there's some sort of smoking gun that this is all fabricated, which I don't believe it is at all, and I think it's pretty easy uh, to to back up the charges that are being made in that allegation based on the physical nature of this and what went down. Charge, yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's grounds now, to fire him with cause. Harry and, Mitten, his attorney, says that his client is 100 percent innocent. You know, and and again that that now the that, attorney that will also play claims out. that the uh, complainant. The victim in this wanted him released from jail immediately and is saying that, that it didn't. I, it's weird. He's making a lot of yeah. claims about the victim in this that I've not seen anywhere else. Yeah, again, we're, we can only report and, and discuss the, the, the two sides. We know details based on the police report and what they've quoted the victim saying in this case. Um, John McClain's coming up. Before we get to John, he'll give us some pr- perspective on uh, the passing of Mike Leach. Um, as we go to break, uh, more from Mike Leach and great responses. Here he is with the, uh, the weather report. My favorite weather pattern happens to be uh, when it rains mud. Dust comes through, rain on top of it, it rains mud. This weather report here, what do I I'm a football coach. <laughs> I suggest you go out and do what I do. Get out of bed, go outside. Then you know. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Discussing the passing of Mike Leach here on the show today. You can chime in in the YouTube chat right now. Just search out Outkick360. We hope you'll subscribe while you're there. And uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Outkick360. John McClain joins us as well from gallerysports.com. Joins us each and every Tuesday. We're going to hit some NFL headlines uh, throughout this hour and uh, also reminisce on uh, Coach Leach. John, hope you're doing well. Guys, I am. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, there was a lot of Texas Tech fans in uh, Houston area, as you can imagine. They loved Mike Leach when he was there. And I'll never forget when he got there after one year at Oklahoma, He was. they found out in a hurry he was eccentric. He was a character. You know, he liked, uh, he liked pirates. He taught about pirates and the camaraderie. He liked Geronimo. And Daniel Boone, and and he loved history. And 
He also loved the weather. One time, I love a TV station. He showed up and said he yeah. wanted to do the weather. We just played that. So yeah. And they just so yeah. you saw that. And that was one of the early things he was on that got him a lot of attention that had not much to do with football. And in uh, near the end of his tenure there, Tech uh, got beat with the Aggies. He says players been spending too much time uh, with their fat girlfriends. And <laughs> ham sandwiches. Oh, I think I'm so. sorry, fat, fat little girlfriends. That's what he said. <laughs> John McClay with us. Excuse me, I'm coughing. That's what, yeah. And, uh, and he, I'm sure he recycled some of those quotes in his other stops. But he had had three different tours of duty with Hal Mummy. He never gets as much credit as he deserves what's called the air raid offense. Leach gives the credit. And the reason he ran it at Tech, she said, when you're out here in Lubbock, you're not going to be able to get the good offensive linemen to come out here. They want to go to Texas and A&M and Oklahoma and LSU. So we're going to use the pass like the run. They just set up the run. And they did. And uh, for people never gave him a lot of respect for it, but he sure turned around that program, put it to great use. Well, and John, you, you know better than anyone in that state and the, the work you've done there and having attended Baylor about programs that historically have not been very good. And that, that's what blows me away about Mike Leach. He won 60% of his games at Texas Tech, Washington State, and Mississippi State. Those are perennial doormats in big-time conferences. And he never got that chance at a blue blood program. I, I would have I would have loved to have seen what that would have looked like if Mike Leach coached, let's say, the Texas Longhorns, as opposed to Texas Tech at some point in his career. He grew up in Wyoming, so he knew what it was like to be out in the West. And once you're going up against a big-time program as he pinballed around the college football world. And one of the things that was great about Leach, he, he would say things, they would get a lot of coaches fired or disciplined, but he got away with it because he was such a colorful character and people kind of expected it. Kind of like the Charles Barkley of college football he could say things other coaches could not. And it's a shame the way it ended with him at Tech with him and Craig James in a controversy lawsuit over the James family claimed that he had mistreated and abused their son, Adam, who had a concussion, said that they – they put him in a shed, then they put him in an electrical closet. Leach said, that electrical closet is our media room. And what's an electrical closet anyway? And he said, that shed is dark. He got a concussion. It's air conditioned. There's a lot of people on our teams that like to be in that shed, stood out here beating each other up in the heat, and originally got suspended. Then he sued the Jameses, and he sued Tech, and they fired him. And... Uh, it was a sad day, but that controversy sullied his reputation for a while. He got it back at Washington State, and then you didn't hear people talking about it anymore. I know he was really ill last season. They said he had uncontrollable coughing fits, and I sure hope he went to the doctor and he didn't say something like, I'll get to it after recruiting or something like that. John, do, 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 do those in Texas – uh, in regards to Texas Tech, view that firing as Texas Tech's greatest mistake in some ways? I don't think, in the, considering the con controversy, and Craig James was big then. He was at ESPN, and he was uh, he's from Houston, of course, and SMU, and he's a lot now. I don't know what happened to Craig. I don't know where he went 
All I know is he's doing a bowl game and he got pulled off of it. And I think because of the allegations, anytime you're talking about what's called abuse and mistreatment of a player, I don't think they could withstand that. I think they had to fire him. What would Mike Leach have been like as an NFL head coach, John? A lot of the things he did would have been more scrutinized nationally. Um, I've always thought he was made for college because college head coaches are all powerful. You know, they're more powerful than their governors in most states. And I thought he was perfect for that. When he left Washington State, and everybody knew he was going to not finish his career there, to go to Mississippi State and get involved in the SEC where they have the best coaches in the best conference in the country. And I thought, wow, I don't know if he can win there, but he will sure give him a lot of color with his great quotes and his great personality. And he'll take shots at the Nick Sabans and Kirby Smarts and people laughing off because he's just a funny guy. John, you covered Bud Adams in the heyday of his ownership of the, the Houston Oilers. And the move made by his daughter, Amy Adams Strunk, last week, midseason, fresh off a huge loss for the organization, firing the GM, a move that's pretty unprecedented, given John Robinson's record to do it with games left in the season, did not have a great outcome for the very next game for the Titans. But I'm curious, was this the most Bud Adams-like move that Amy has made as the owner of the Titans, putting herself more in the news than ever before? Because she's someone who really likes to be in the background of everything, and she pointed a finger at one person for any problems with the organization and really put herself out there with this move. Did that remind you of Bud in any way? The worst move in the Oilers-Titans history came on New Year's Eve of 1980 when the Oilers were coming off an 11-5 season, and they went to Oakland and got beat in a wild-card game. And the next day, Bud Adams fired Bum Phillips. That day is still known as the New Year's Eve massacre. And, um, and then the team went into a tailspin that lasted until 1987. People never forgave Bud for that, even when they went to the playoffs seven years in a row and won playoff games, couldn't get beyond the divisional round because Bum Phillips the most beloved person in the history of Houston sports. And that's not on the magnitude of this. And as I've told people that have asked me about Amy firing John, she had her reasons. And I'm guessing if she hadn't told the truth about why she did it. To me, it's something that either he offended her somehow. It just we'll never know. We'll never know for certain. And uh, Amy's wildly popular there, as you guys know. She's popular here with the Oiler fans who know how well she's treated the Oiler players with their uh, alumni reunions up there and the ones she had here. So I think in her tenure, she's allowed one move that people consider bad. The key, of course, what do they do to replace John, and can they be better without John? John won't have a jo- problem getting a job when he's ready to get another job. I don't think it'll be a GM right away unless the spot opens up and he interviews for it. And whenever the time comes that he interviews, I don't see any other general manager out there will have his track record of success. So if you're a personnel director who's never been a GM and you're interviewing in competition with John Robinson, boy, it's going to be lopsided when it comes to credentials. John, last night, Monday night, we, of course, watched the Patriots beat the Cardinals, but the storyline with that game was Devontae Parker's concussion-like symptoms and Nelson Aguilar being the only one who noticed this 
and another play was going on. He's motioning to the sideline for the game to stop. Uh, Patriots receiver Devontae Parker is going off on the NFL, saying that officials need to get on y'all's effing jobs and take care of players who may have suffered head injuries. Uh, what do you make of, of this as the NFL is now investigating the, the protocol through this process and and how you know everyone's now looking for this everyone's playing concussion specialist but in this case it was evident that parker had a massive issue if it wasn't for the kyler murray blowing out his knee that would have been a bigger deal it got more attention last night but everybody's talking about kyler murray now maybe the independent guy up in the press box was in the bathroom but, you know, he's watching. He's got people there with him. How you miss something like that is beyond me. You have the guy on the sideline. It's not like they don't have people. It's like those guys were not paying attention. Anytime something like this happens, it's going to be a humongous controversy. And maybe this guy's going to get fired like the guy earlier in the season who missed. I can't even remember when that game was or who it was, but it's just egregious that there's so many people paying attention and you totally botch it. John, I mentioned this earlier on Monday. I'm seeing more players getting knocked out, like legitimately KO'd than I have, or uh, that I've noticed. I don't know if you feel the same way, but especially at quarterback, we saw it with Russell Wilson. We've certainly seen it with Tua Tagovailoa. There are other examples um, that the, the, the true knockout form that we're seeing is a bit strange this year compared to past years could be i haven't noticed it or thought it till you brought it up because you think about all the guys get hit how many times they get hit and how few actual knockouts there are but anytime it happens to a quarterback like to a tongue earlier in the season it's going to get a lot of attention and they understand it you know and they they miss they miss time because of it but i don't think i I'm going like, oh, boy, I can't remember there being that many because I'm so old and I've been around so long. We're knocking it long, knocking out quarterbacks was no big deal because you could hit them in the head with a padded forearm anytime you wanted to. Yep, and Traylon Burks is another example, Chad. And unlike quarterback protection, the defender who hit Burks on that play, not fine. Yeah, it's it's weird when they look at the fines, not fines. Here's what jumps out to me, though, John. It just blows my mind. Watching that game last night, I mean, live as it happens, Troy Aikman is calling it out. They're showing action live on the field. Yeah. You see a receiver wobbly standing up. He says, well, they're going to want to take a look at that. Uh, they're probably going to stop this game to take a look at him. He looks a little unsettled getting to his feet. And, and my immediate thought was, if the NFL can tell the broadcasters what to say and what not to say over the course of the season the way they do, They're told to avoid certain subjects and certain things out there. If you're going to have that level of cooperation, then why isn't someone listening to the broadcast of the TV of what's going on with the NFL that in case there's something they miss with 22 players on the field that's picked up by the television network and Troy Aikman is saying it to America who's watching the game where they could take that cue and it could stop this. I've always thought that there's this weird divide between the broadcast and the league over the course of the game until the league wants to get involved in the broadcast and tell they, them what not to say. They, then they want to be involved in that. They do have someone listening to the broadcast. Chad, like they've got the broadcast going in their command center at the NFL office. They hear everything. 
So if they hear Troy Aikman say that, maybe they just assumed that uh, the guy in the stands and the guy on the sideline would take him out, take him under the tent or take him straight to the locker room. And then they didn't, but they botched it at every level, but it's not because they don't hear it. They hear it. Yeah. And they have a, uh, they have someone called an NFL observer and he or she every at, at every stadium and he or she yeah, is sitting in, in front of me. Box. Yeah. That's- sits right in front of me uh, at the stadium each Sunday. And they, they have a headset, they put it on and they can hear the broadcast. They can flip to all of them if they so choose. And I think they're just chat. They're basically just monitoring to see what the conversation's like, and then they report back on what I, I don't know what else well, they're observing. I, I, on. I guess what I'm asking is, would that person then have the ability to nudge someone and say, "Stop the game" because of what's going on in the field, in case everyone I mean, else misses it, where you could do it quickly well, in real time, or are they just like a stenographer, you know, taking notes on what the broadcast is saying? I, I think the the over and and, and I, I'm not against help uh, protection against concussions but the previous protocol that was in place uh i mean sometimes they're reviewing they're re- they're on the sideline like reviewing going rewinding to see the hit and the it, they're trying to figure out did 51 should we pull him off the field should we take him into the tent to give him a concussion test it's it sometimes it took way too long because they weren't really sure but they were trying to figure it out in this case thankfully nelson aguilar was there to protect the player that's the other thing with this now uh, for the longest time, John, there was like this in-between of players, oh, we know what we're getting into. We're going to stay on the field because that's how we feed families. And in this case, you actually have the the, the players saying, guys, we, we have a big issue here, knowing that in this case, uh, Devontae Parker's going to miss the rest of the game and potentially and probably next week until he passes the concussion protocol. They just blew it at every level. Yes, you're, you're right on that. McLean with us. We're talking NFL headlines. Uh, Brock Purdy, John, your reaction to what he's done in San Francisco and whether or not, do you think this is overblown, his impact on this offense, or are you buying into Brock Purdy, the quarterback, because Nick Bosa is? I watched Brock Purdy at Iowa State. I tell people it's like he was there eight years. I watched him a lot. <laughs> he played Baylor every year. He was a good, tough quarterback. Nobody thought he was great. Nobody expected much from him. The NFL, including the 49ers, who used the last pick in the draft on him. And when I saw that, I thought, well, he'll last on a couple of practice squads. Maybe he'll move up to third team someday, and then he'll be a coach for somebody. I'm astonished. Kyle Shanahan gets a lot of credit. That coaching staff has done a tremendous job to prepare him for coming off the bench last week, for starting this week. And Purdy, of course, has done a tremendous job as well. And I I also, the greatest thing I saw in an NFL game on Sunday was when he threw a touchdown pass with his family in the stands, his dad started crying and they were focused on it. And it showed him sitting there crying. I thought, wow, that's great. Too bad we don't see more things like that than everybody in the NFL blowing a concussion last night. I think as long as it's good, they're going to go with him. You know, they passed up Baker Mayfield. They like what they got. And uh, boy, uh, Garoppolo's going to be unrestricted. They think he'd come back. I don't, I've never bought him coming back. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. But it's it's kind of, it's party or bust. And Josh Johnson or bust. John, how stunned were you to see the team you cover there in Houston, the Texans, go on the road and have every opportunity to knock off the Cowboys in that game before Zeke Elliott scored in the final minute? 
Chad, like I wasn't surprised at all. I picked it uh, Cowboys 41 to 13. Of course, I was surprised. I was shocked. <laughs> Everybody was. I couldn't believe it. And uh, if not for terrible play calling and use of personnel by offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton in the last five minutes, they might actually won that game. Last week, they had first and goal at the three, had some terrible calls and personnel this week, first and goal at the four. And uh, and they couldn't score. Had they scored there, it wouldn't have mattered if the Cowboys scored another touchdown. Now, I never thought for an instant they were going to win that game. Even we're on the four-yard line and in the one-yard line and the two-yard line, I'm thinking these are the Texans. They have the worst offense in the NFL. They got bad coaching. They'll find a way to blow it, and they did. And, you know, the players, they don't – there's no – you don't get anything from a close a close victory. But as I said afterward, there's a lot of Cowboys empty in their pants, and there's a lot of Cowboy fans, 93,000 of them. There might have been uh, two or 300 Texans fans there. They emptied their pants, too, because they'd have been three games behind the Eagles, sucking their tailpipes, as I called it. And uh, that's the Texans' best game playing and coaching this season up until the last five minutes. John, you're right. There are no moral victories um, in in the NFL. There are big moments for certain players, though, in losses, and especially at quarterback. Mike White had that moment playing through not once but twice the rib injury with not just with Robert Sala, but that goes a long way with the locker room. You you've certainly seen your fair share of these moments throughout your career covering the league. What did you think when you saw what Mike White did? and the respect that he will earn there within the New York Jets organization. Players love players who are tough, will do everything they possibly can to play. And I always said there's a lot of guys will miss two weeks if they get shampoo in their eyes. But yep. in this case, he's tough. He fits the New York uh, the the lifestyle up there where they want their guys to be tough. His first game, he threw over 400 yards, three touchdowns in his career, first guy to ever do that in his first start. And uh, the more he plays and the more they see him on and off the field, the more they like him. And I'm thinking, okay, why didn't the coaches do this before? Why did they draft Zach Wilson second overall? And I don't think Wilson's gone. I think he'll be back next year, but White is one tough dude and who doesn't like a guy like that and admire a guy like that too how about this story and and we'll end with this because it's just weird based on the guy involved here uh headline from yahoo sports falcons quarterback marcus mariota has left the team with no indication of when or if he will return this according to the athletic now there were reports that the falcons anticipated placing him on injured reserve. I don't know if they've officially done that yet, but this would place him on a separate list altogether. And this is odd knowing his relationship with Arthur Smith and knowing how just quiet Mariota is behind the scenes when it comes to things like this. And this comes on the, of course, right after the bye week and as they move on to Desmond Ritter. What a stupid thing for him to do, because any move you make at this time of year is an audition for your next employer. So if you're not going to play, you want to be a great teammate. You want to help the rookie. You want the rookie talking about, man, he helped me so much. I couldn't have done it without him. 
And uh, that's not what he's doing. He's quitting on his team. That is the worst thing that you can do is quit on your team. I hope there's a better explanation. Here we had receiver Brandon Cooks quit on the Texans because he was mad because he didn't get traded. And they benched him, and he he started a couple games. Now he's hurt. And I wrote this week on Gallery Sports, do not play him again. There's younger receivers who are busting their butts who play well. And Marcus Mariota, when he wants to quarterback another team, Next season, he's got a whole lot of splaining to do. Sounds like a money grab uh, because I, I'm looking up the transcript now from uh, from Arthur Smith's media availability. Of course, you want all your guys to be here, but guys have to make decisions. It's part of professional sports. You have to have contingency plans. Um, he added that on Monday, Mariota was also likely to be placed on injured reserve with what Smith described as, quote, chronic knee injury. A chronic knee injury. Mariota's knee is, quote, nothing that has been an issue this season but that's his prerogative. So, and then he kind of tailed off there. So he's saying that Mariota was lobbying to go on injury reserve. And when they haven't placed him on there yet, as they go into week 15 off their bye, he's bolted. This is, I don't, this is not the, the guy that was here in Nashville for sure, or at, in Atlanta starting. I don't care what happened. I don't care yeah. who's to blame. You can't be involved in a situation like this when you know next year you're going to have a different zip code. Yep. John, thank you as always. We love the perspective and insight, and have a great weekend. Merry Christmas to you. Jonathan and Chad Lack, Merry Christmas to you guys as well, and thank you very much as always. Thank Merry you. Christmas, There's John. Thank you. John McClain. He'll be uh, tweeting about the Texans and everything else at gallerysports.com. His Twitter timeline's way more entertaining when the Texans do what everyone expects and loses badly. I agree. When they're in a game, it, it gets far less entertaining. Chad, I, I, I'm tying in your story that we ended with yesterday um, with your first and second grade basketball altercation. Um, with uh, it wasn't yours; it was it was more on the got other rave team. reviews, by the way, from the parents of my my team. Fantastic. After that, I'm wondering if if you've ever seen a situation like the one I'm going to present for a 12 and under team. That I mean, he looks like he's 35 and paying a mortgage when you see. When you realize how young he is, that's that's next on Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Chad, there is a 12 and under player who looks like he's 35 uh, with a family and looks like he's paying a mortgage. Uh, This is, I mean, you agree, right? He looks like he's 30? I mean, the guy's got... (sighs) I don't want to speak ill of a child if, in fact, this is real. <laughs> Again. He's got, like, lines under his eyes like, where he looks like he's in his 40s. It, yes. He's got a mustache. He looks like the guy who went back to college. And he was the oldest college football <laughs> player in the history of the sport. He's like uh, Billy Madison when he's playing with little kids at recess. I mean, this is this can't be real. It's real. This real. is a social Outkick. experiment, right? Outkick.com has the story. I mean, can we trace him to have offers from Nick Saban and Brian Kelly right now? Has this guy already been offered by? That's how I know it's real. So, uh, imagine. Remember Leonard Fournette was offered at like 11 years old by everyone? Yes. 
and he looked sort of like this guy, but maybe 20 years younger. <laughs> Leonard Fournette looked 19 or 20 when he was 11. This guy at 12 this guy looks, looks like, like he's 42. Now. Yeah, current Leonard Fournette. Yeah. This is current Leonard Fournette posing as a 12-year-old boy. So any instance of that on, on the floor while you're coaching in, in this first and second grade, is there any, do you feel like any of those girls are like in the fourth or fifth grade? We have not encountered that yet. Okay. Um, there is, a, so our, our school that we go to, the, the next team up, the third and fourth grade team, I think it is. Yes. They have a girl who's very tall. And I think they get some looks like that from the other coaches, like show me your birth certificate type thing when she takes the floor. So, so uh, this it story, the story from Joe Kinsey. His, Joe Kinsey gets Jeremiah, all the great stories. Jo- Jeremiah Johnson is his name. Oh, come on. And this is make believe. They're trying to figure out if that's a real tattoo on his arm. You see it on the left, uh, the right arm. I think well, it's, he's, I think, hold, he's holding the MVP trophy. It looks like a henna. It doesn't look real to me. It looks like a henna tattoo. Yes. He got um, that on spring break and PCB with his other 21-year-old buddies. His mom, his mom commented and said, quote, I remember him on the 10, the 10 U. He had a mustache then, too. Now, th- I do remember there was always, I feel like every guy can relate to this. There's always the one dude in like sixth grade that hits puberty first, and he's got the mustache, like the, you know what I mean? Like oh, the, yeah. You've got the peach fuzz going way too early. But that's and, and sixth every, grade. She's saying ten years old. Right. Right. That's fourth. This, this, I didn't know this any fourth graders with a mustache. And that's as young as I can remember. Uh, where I was like, man, this guy's uh, this dude's turning into a man way before anyone else, and I'm extremely jealous of it because he was, you know, he was the alpha. Now he ran the school. Jeremiah Johnson is from this country, right? We're to assume that he's from he's the playing, United States. He's playing football because we've seen the issues with birth certificates in other countries this, before. This is in Miami. At the Youth National Championship. The Rafael Fracal of youth football in Miami. But he plays in Texas, apparently. Hey, good luck to the young man. If he's really 12 years old, I hope if your favorite program doesn't offer him, they're doing something wrong. Headlines next.